Guess what, everybody? The Chin Music Podcast is going to broadcast live on March 26th from 11 Wells Distillery near downtown St. Paul. That's right. 11 Wells Distillery, which has wonderful spirits like the Minnesota 13 Barrel Age Whiskey, as well as the Boiler Room Barrel Age Rum. You've heard us talk about the 11 Wells on the show. You can come see for yourself while listening to myself, Jim Suhan, and Roy Smalley talk about baseball, spirits, music, and more baseball. So check us out at 11 Wells Distillery on March 26th at 7 p.m. See you there. This is the John Krasinski Show here on the Talk North Podcast Network, produced by the one and only Brandon Morton. I'm John Krasinski from The Athletic. You are used to, if you've listened to us for a while, you're used to hearing Jim Suhan's voice at the top of the program. Jim is on vacation this week, so I am sliding over into the captain's chair and am joined by a special guest. And that special guest is Dane Moore from the Blue Wire Pod, the Dane Moore NBA show. Dane, welcome to the program. I feel like me having you on a pod is like, you know, me trying to give Prince guitar lessons, but uh, we're going to make the best out of this. So how's it going, man? No, I disagree. I'm moving over into the John Krasinski role. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. So, so be this careful. Is, this is still the John Krasinski podcast, but I'm John Krasinski for this episode. Yes. Well, so, I mean, if you can get your accent a little bit better, you know, in the, in, in a little more thicker <laughs> Minnesotan, that'd be great. Um, if you can stumble and stammer a little bit more, that would be good too. So just kind of try Can I do and, the manscape like, read? If you want to, I mean, a lot of people do, but I don't think many people can handle it. So, um, I don't we will know. get to that eventually, that. but, uh, um, yeah, Hey, maybe I can line you up as well. I mean, they're, they're, they're prolific, uh, sponsors. Maybe we can hook you up and get you some reads as well. They send some great product. I'll tell you that. We all need so. lawnmowers, man. We all need lawnmowers. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, well, everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm excited to, for the next maybe 30, 40 minutes to sit down and talk with Dane, uh, one of the very best uh, Timberwolves voices uh, in town, obviously. And um, there's a lot to get to this week. Uh, the Timberwolves are kind of in the news. They're in the national news coming off of the Lakers wipeout and talking a bunch of smack to Russell Westbrook and even a little bit to LeBron as well. Um, they are on a roll and the schedule is about to get very, very difficult here. So we're going to talk about all things Wolves, just about, you know, kind of what we think of what we saw in the Laker game, what we see coming up for them, maybe look ahead to the playoffs a little bit and just kind of what's all on our mind here on the John Krasinski show. And so, Dane, I think the first thing that we have to start out with is what we witnessed in this Laker game um, in terms, not just the way that they played and the way that they kind of played around with the Lakers, but I think the way that Patrick Beverly and Carl Anthony Towns in particular just gave it to Russell Westbrook and sent him packing in a way that, as Zach Lowe said today on his pod, that he's never seen a, a star of Russell Westbrook's caliber get openly humiliated the way that the Wolves did to them. Um, what did you think as you saw that play out um, and, and, and just, you know, kind of the clear disrespect and dismissal of a guy who in fairness to the Timberwolves has done a lot of that to them over the years. 
Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, to me, I distinguish between talking to Russ and talking to LeBron. You know, if you can do that to Russ, particularly if you're Patrick Beverly, you've got a historic, you know, kind of for a while now, those two guys have been beefing. Like, I understand taking the chance to when you're beating them, take your shots. I found, though, like I didn't really notice it at the game at the time. Once you kind of saw some zoomed in video and some lip reading, I thought it was maybe the LeBron talk was a little excessive. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to talk to LeBron. I wouldn't want to like 10 years from now be like, oh, here's this clip of me scoring on LeBron. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I guess it's just it's all depends on like what these guys relationships are with each of the players. Um, Russ, like you said, I mean. He's been doing the exact same thing the Wolves did to him for like 10 years, you know, coming in here, oftentimes winning, oftentimes trying to punk the Wolves. And Russ had a terrible performance and one deserving of like hearing a little bit of noise. So I I had no problem with that. I just like after the fact, you kind of get back and you saw start seeing some of the video like I don't think LeBron deserves disrespect right now. He's having he's still having a good year. He's still playing at a high level. Um, so I thought that was a little odd, but like, sure with Russ, like get after it, you know, be confident. I, I, I thought I found that to be confident. I thought found the LeBron stuff to be a little excessive, if that makes sense. And I saw Stephen A yesterday said so I'm recording this on Friday. So on Thursday, he basically kind of reacted and, and said that he was surprised about the way that they went at Russell Westbrook because he said, quote, you know, Russell Westbrook has has never cheated the game, has always treated the game with respect. And I thought, Stephen A., with all due respect, uh, there dude, is no totally. player in the entire league <laughs> who has ever tried to embarrass, punk, disrespect an opponent as much as Russell Westbrook has done. And to me, that is very much a, you're reaping what you sow here. You have done this over and over again. You've rocked the baby. You've snarled and scowled. You've you've kind of dismissed and, and you know, not shake, you know, shaking hands and all of those things for so long. And you were able to physically overpower people. And you were able to kind of assert your dominance in a way that made him the big bully on the block. But now, now it's kind of come around. His athleticism is diminished. He is still trying to be the same player that he was in his prime. And he is absolutely playing terrible basketball. The, the decision-making, the shot selection, the turnovers, the, the all of that stuff. It, he, he's a, he's an, a, a negative impact player right now for them. And I just had the sense that especially Beverly, who has obviously had the long feud with him, and he has sort of brought the rest of this Timberwolves team with him in terms of the bravado and the swagger and whatever else you want to call it. They've just said, hey, you know, you did this to us for a long time. Now you got to take it. And and so mm-hmm. like you, I had no sympathy for Russell Westbrook there. I, I know that Carl Anthony Towns has heard it before and 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 just, um, you know, we had had enough of it and so now they got a guy down and they are absolutely going to give it to Russell Westbrook as as hard as he gave it to them and so that's kind of what goes around comes around moment with LeBron Dane like I I I had the same thing I just when I first saw the the towns kind of going back at him kind of uh language I was like oof you're poking the bear there. Be careful. LeBron, LeBron has never kind of done that to you guys uh, before. But 
Dude, if LeBron you do has never kind of tried. Go, LeBron has never tried. No, against he's the never had to try. And I, yeah. and I think that's part of it, Dane. Like, I do think <laughs> because we saw earlier this season when LeBron was kind of telling the Memphis Grizzlies the same thing, like, slow down now. You haven't won anything kind of mm-hmm. thing while the Grizzlies were getting after him and were kind of puffing their chests out and and handing it to the Lakers. And I think that LeBron and many pl- teams around the NBA have are not used to having to come to target center and break a sweat. They are not used to coming in and having a team stand up to them and 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 beat them and and play the way they did and have the crowd get into it the way they they have. Like for the last however many years, it's been dead in there. It's a team that wins, you know, 20 games. And and this was always a break in the schedule for most of the playoff teams. And that has not happened um, this season. That's different this season. This team is little brother kind of standing up to it to to people and and pushing back and I don't think some of these guys like that and I and I think it's taken some getting used to for them I like that I mean I I, uh, I yeah. really like that about about this Wolves group now it reminds me of Memphis at the beginning of the season that's what I was thinking about after that game I remember being yes. in, in Memphis um earlier I think it was uh it was December and the Grizzlies had won their 11th win in a row was against the Wolves and I mean, throughout that game, Memphis, all those dudes were talking the whole time. They win the game on the floor as the Wolves are still there. They're taking pictures as a group and all that. You're like, okay, like Memphis, you're very confident. You're kind of arrogant, you know? But I think that's part of the reason why Memphis has had success this year, right? Like, for sure. They've maintained. They've maintained the winning that supports that confidence. And so I'm starting to think like if there is a similarity between what Memphis was like and what the Wolves are like now, you know, that could be a real advantage because you look at these final 11 games of the season and just on like the schedule doesn't look like a run where you're going to be able to or it's going to be hard to win more games than you lose in these final 11. But I think. Oftentimes, when we look around the league at teams who exceed expectations over a 10-game stretch, it's because they just kind of come into all 10 of those games with the expectation of winning. And I think that confidence can take you a long way. It's something we're not used to here in Minnesota. But like if the Wolves somehow, you know, these final 11 games like roll out eight and three the rest of the way, it won't be because the schedule was an eight and three schedule. It'll be because they were confident, borderlining on arrogant to the point where they were like, it doesn't matter. Like, put us up with against Boston. Put us up against Dallas. We think we're as good as those sort of teams. So I'm kind of encouraged by that. I don't know if it's going to stick. Um, I think Memphis is a better team, but maybe the Wolves are on their way towards that progression right now. I think we're going to really learn that in these next 10, 11 games. Yeah, and I think like I mean that's that's ultimately it, 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 I said this about Ant earlier in the season when he said the Black Jesus comment and you know and, and all that stuff after Portland. It's like you know this this team has been down for so long and mm-hmm. has been in the gutter, dragged through the mud, all the dysfunction, all of that stuff that it's going to take an irrational level of confidence. Uh, you know, a, 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 an uncommon level of belief at, that is to break the chain somehow. 
Like that you're going to have to have a team that is willing to stand up and talk trash to LeBron James. Now you're going to have to back that up. And there is a good chance that that could come back to bite them. And they could, if they lose to the Clippers in, in the plane and then, then they could play LeBron and maybe even AD in, in a seven, nine game. And now you're going to have to back up all of that talk. So there are consequences or risks that come with it. But um, I, I think that it's a team that needs to assert itself and and sort of, you know, jump on the backs of John. Of they got to disassociate themselves from exactly. the historical precedence of the Timberwolves. Yep. Like that, that's exactly Ant, it. Ant feels zero ties to the past history of the Timberwolves. Like mm-hmm. he he refers to the old Timberwolves as like them. You know, yep. that's not he doesn't say like we back in 2004 were this and that or we back in 2010 were that. It's like, no, that was before my time. That was a different team. That was a bad team. Us now, the Timberwolves now is what he associates himself with. And I think that's helping Carl associate himself with that now, because obviously Carl has kind of been on the path between bad to now better. Like he's experienced the trials of Timberwolves incompetence. And Ant is like, yo, just forget about that. Like, this is who we are now. We got me, we got D'Lo, we got Pat Bev. Like, we've got you. And I think, as he said, that is bringing out the confidence in Carl to, you know, be a more confident type of player and say whatever he, ever, ever he wants to say and give him the chance to back it up, which to Carl's credit, he's doing right now. Right, and and I think that from what I could gl- gather uh, about the LeBron exchange, and Carl had something on on his stream that he kind of talked himself through or uh, talked his perspective on what he saw in that in that situation, and basically it was toward the end of the game, and mm-hmm. LeBron was telling Pat Beverly, "Hey." Give it to Cat. He was pointing at Cat. Give it to him. Let him get his numbers. That's what he wants. He wants his numbers. And Carl, I think, took exception to that because he's heard that his whole life, right? He's heard that his whole career. And he, and there have been, when you talk about, when Zach Lowe says, and he's right about Russell Westbrook getting clowned like that, um, you know, Carl is one of the very few all-star caliber players. Not Not many have kind of dealt with the psychological abuse or criticism or what it is more than he has since Jimmy Butler. Right. I mean, Mm. like there it's, he's just a numbers guy. He's not about winning. He doesn't care about this and that he he's soft, you know, all of these things. And so when Carl, I think heard LeBron chirping about that at the end of the game, that's when he got his hackles up and said, well, wait a minute now. Um, you guys are down by 20 points and <laughs> I've, I've, I've scored 16 in the fourth and LeBron, you have 19 points for the entire game. Yeah. I got my numbers, but yeah, we're getting a win and we're going to be 11 games over 500. Like, I think there is something that has been stewing inside Carl Anthony towns. He kind of just took all of that punishment for all those years, especially in the Jimmy Butler year, like while Tibbs and Jimmy were actively, you know, just degrading him. Um, you know, either passive aggressively or out in the open, he kind of just stayed in the background and didn't respond because he didn't want to get into the mudslinging contest and be, become a soap opera. But now he's like, 
nah, enough of this. Like I have a team that has my back for the first time ever, which I think is a, is a big part of this. He feels supported by his teammates, by his coaches, all those things. And he's playing really well. And so now he is said, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I'm going to air it out. And again, like maybe this does come back to bite him. Maybe, you know, maybe when they play Giannis and Brooke Lopez, maybe when they play Jokic, maybe when they play, you know, these teams that are going to put up more of a fight, you know, he's got to continue this style of play through that. But I do think it's just a player that has said enough is enough. I'm going to finally start pushing back here. And you can't call me soft for all these years and then get mad when, I come at you too hard. Like, I think that's, that's a big part of this as well. John, you know what I loved? I love what, when the cameras picked it up, he was like, what Kat said was he was like, all right, guard me then. Yeah, guard me. Exactly. Then. Yeah. Because yep. everybody across the league all season, if Kat has a point, the point he has is that everybody's been punking out, not guarding him all year. Like go yep. down the line, go, go bear, go Embiid, go whoever, LeBron, Giannis, mm -hmm. like none of these guys are guarding him. Mm -hmm. And Kat's like, that's soft, as he should say. Like, okay, you can't guard me. You got to, the only way you guys can slow me down is running this hack defense where you guard me with a small and you have you Embiid or Giannis or LeBron or whatever. Like you're guarding Jared Vanderbilt so that you can like take it easy. That is soft. That's soft of all those guys. Nobody, like who has come in this entire season and been like, been the opponent's best player, and is like, all right, I got Cat. Nobody all right. year because they all know they can't guard him one on one. And Cat's winning that argument. That that's proof. And he's like, all right, none of you guys can stop me one on one. I have no problem with Carl saying that to anyone in the entire league right now because the best players in the league are not guarding him. The only guy who has guarded him, who is a great player, is Jokic, and Cat has dominated Jokic this year when, when he's played against him. So I think Kat totally has a point of like, I'm done with all you guys calling me soft. Actually, you guys are soft because you're scared to guard me. You're not doing it. And I like that. I like that confidence from Kat. Yeah, I think it just, I mean, this is, this is what has to happen for him to take the next step is, hmm. uh, and, and he's doing it in a way, and I wrote this after the 60 that he scored, you know, and we, and we had that conversation with him. I think it was after the OKC game about leadership, about, you know, basically him saying, you know, I, I looked for a long time. I looked at what the media wanted, what my teammates wanted, what my family members wanted in a leader. And I tried to be that. And I'm just not doing that anymore. He said, in essence, I stopped giving an F. And, yep. um, you know, that's that's always been the thing with Kat, right? Is like he he says things and you feel like, He's saying what he thinks other people want to hear. And you never really knew, like, who is the real Carl Anthony Towns in some respects. And I think part of that is he's a young guy who's trying to figure that out himself and totally and trying to find that way. And, um, you know, he is to a point now where I think he feels more confident in who he is as a person and the way that he wants to go about this. Now, that may ruffle some feathers and that may not sit well with some people with the way that he does it, but at least it's more of, it's coming from a more authentic place. And I think that that quality is kind of a huge, what had been a huge missing piece of the Carl Anthony Towns led Timberwolves of the past. And now you have Ant who is, you know, just 
as real as it gets. You have Pat Bev. You have you have these voices in there with him that give this team a substance that wasn't there before. And I think like Cat at as the head of that snake. Totally. I mean, it it's cool. It's a cool progression. I mean, we've seen Cat evolve in a lot of ways. Um, actually, every year of his career as a basketball player, you know, you go down coach to coach. He's been used differently as a basketball player. He's being used differently again as a basketball player this year under Chris Finch. And I also think we're seeing him evolve as a person, as a, as a teammate, as a leader, and all those sort of things. And the evolution, I, I think, has predominantly been for the better. Now, there's still one last big hill to evolve over, and that is, you know, conquering his disconnect of what a foul is and isn't <laughs> right. um that you know that that has been a, a serious issue talk about the 60 point game well how many minutes of that game did he have to sit down in foul trouble yeah i mean he could add 70 easily it might have cost him 70 for real mm -hmm. and so that's like i, I don't know it cat's numbers are like stupid good since the all-star break but he's barely averaging 30 minutes a game it's because every single game He's been, I mean, not every single game, almost every game, he's been in some form of foul trouble. So I'm kind of looking at that as like, okay, Carl, you checked the box that we, a lot of us said you couldn't check while being a good defender. You checked the box of, of like evolving as an offensive player. You've checked the box as evolving as a leader. Now this is it. This is, this is the last thing because I'm, I really hope that that lesson doesn't need to be learned in a playoff series where we're reflecting on, you know, a losing series to the Warriors or Grizzlies, and we're like, man, if only Cat wasn't in foul trouble those three games, right? And yes. I think he doesn't want to have to learn from that that trial by error because, man, it's going to kill him to sit on the bench for the whole third quarter or whole second quarter when it's the playoffs and the lights are on and this and that. So I... I hope in these final 11 games we can see that get a little bit more under check or in check. And yeah, I just, I hope it's something he's he's working on and I'm kind of concerned he's not, if I'm being honest, because he always refers to it as ref adversity. And to me, that that is ignoring some of the reality that this is your fault too. So I'll be fascinated to track that final 11 games, but particularly in a playoff series of like, okay, now you're sitting. Now you're sitting in the playoffs. What does that feel like? I That will be a learning lesson. Let's keep this going uh, right after the break. I want to kind of touch on exactly what you hit on um, and, and, and expand this into, we'll get into Ant, we'll get into um, a, a little bit more of their schedule, Jaden McDaniels, a few other things. Uh, but first, let's pay some bills here at the John Krasinski Show sitting here with Dane Moore uh, uh, as a guest uh, for us. Hey everyone, wanted to tell you a little bit about Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. It's a perfect time to go with March Madness going on, have just a great beer selection for you. And something super exciting that is gonna be coming up here at the end of March into April a little bit, we are actually gonna have a collaboration at Head Flyer with myself and the good folks there to bring out a new beer and name it something related to the John Krasinski show to Timberwolves basketball, kind of to everything that's intertwined. And so um, keep your eyes out on social media. You can go to headflyerbrewing.com. 
You can go to Head Flyer Brewing on Instagram and on Twitter. Watch my Twitter feed at John Krasinski. Go on over to the tap room at Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis, just on Hennepin Avenue, right off of 35W. Have some beers. Tell them the John Krasinski show sent you. And if you can't get there, you can find It Was All a Dream, Juicy Hazy IPA, and several other of their best beers at your local metro area liquor stores. This month, give blood with local Memorial Blood Centers and you'll make twice the impact. For every unit of blood donated, Memorial Blood Centers will donate $1 to Second Harvest Heartland, helping ensure folks living with food insecurity can get healthy, nutritious food that they need. Double your impact without even having to open your wallet. Learn more about how you can help or schedule an appointment to give blood at mbc.org or call 1-888-448-3253. Your community is counting on you. All right, we're back uh, on the John Krasinski Show and Talk North and uh, with Dane Moore from the Dane Moore Show. And Dane, um, we, we talked right before the break about you know wanting to see Carl Anthony Towns stay out of foul trouble, wanting to see um, you know that as the next step. And I totally agree. And I'm I think like that's what I'm going to be watching as much as anything over these next seven games because you look like they, they've played cupcakes and you know you you can get away with Towns being in foul trouble against the Blazers or the Thunder or the Lakers and and do all right with it. It's when he he does seem to get, whether it's he gets more amped up or whether he tries to be even more assertive against the better teams, against the bigger front lines, that's when it seems to really bother him whether it is Joel Embiid, whether it's Bam, whether, you know, it's, you know, some of these other guys, they're going to face Giannis on Saturday. Um, you know, that's what I want to see even more so than, you know, what, how are they competitively and what do they do when loss wise? It's got to be this continuation of the progression from cat to be able to be physical and sort of try to assert yourself, but also not, have these wild fouls or the offensive fouls or those those silly little kind of poking your elbow into a guy as he drives right by you, you know, ones that are just gift wrapped to the officials because against the the, the bigger competition, that's where you I, I think you see that even more than, you know, when he's able to go up against, you know, nobody from the Oklahoma City Thunder and just kind of have his way. Yeah, totally. And I would... the. Another element of that is even when a foul isn't being called and he's driving to the basket, doesn't get the foul call, falls over, is upset yeah. about the foul call, and now it's five on four back the other way. You know? Yep. They, and he has it, been getting more of those calls, though, lately. You know, For like, sure. Like, that's yeah, encouraging I mean, from the Timberwolves' perspective. Definitely. It's like, I, I've, I've wrestled with, like, the whole balance with Cat of, like, where are the best places for him to be taking his shots? I kind of fall more on the, like, he should be creating on the perimeter and just taking more three-point shots. But if I'm being fair, like, this attacking the basket thing has been really dominant, too, in his ability to drive. And now his ability, post-All-Star break, to drive and get fouls, that's definitely paying the bills, too. Um, I just think there's, like, there is this combination that can happen with Carl where he is effective in the post, he's effective on the drive, and he's effective beyond the arc. When that is all happening, like, good luck. I mean, that's the 60-point right. game. 
that's the same. Like, what yep. are you going to do if, if he's doing all of those things together? So for me, for all three of those things to happen, his usage has to go up, right? He needs to be more aggressive in those post situations of going faster. He needs to be, um, he needs to be quick to his decision to drive, or he needs to be quick to his decision to take just the three from the top of the key. I just listen I to Ant. Carl, go quick, man. Yeah, go go quick and go more often. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. It, I, I don't know why I always feel like I'm doing this with Carl. It's just because he's so talented where it's like, man, if you do all this stuff together, they can't stop you. They can't. Like, there, there is the only thing stopping you is yourself or not shooting it. So shoot it. And, and don't right. let the mental stuff get in the way. Don't let the refs get in the way. Don't let them trying to punch you physically get in the way. Just keep going all the time and shoot more than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Just shoot more. Like it's the games where you're like, okay, 12 shots for Carl, 19 for D'Angelo, 18 for Ant. Like, what are we doing? You know? Right. And that hasn't well, and been I happening think, recently, but yeah, it's gotta it's, be more. It's gonna be it's gonna be easier for her for him to do that, or or it's gonna be more important, I guess. Yeah. And and maybe easier is the right word for him to do that uh going forward here because the one one other thing I wanted to get to was Ant is is starting to come around from a scoring perspective and is starting to be, you know, kind of more productive in that range from what we've seen before the in- injury, but he still does not have the explosion and the lift that he did prior to the knee situation really coming up. You saw like there were a couple of times in that Laker game where he had a clear run at the rim and there was one I remember specifically in like the in the in Just the break dunk it. way and like he would have dunked LeBron yeah. into the third row and <laughs> and he couldn't do it and he still finished the play he still found a way to do it but he just does not have that any you know that right now and whether he's going to need more rehab or or anything else in the off season or whatever it, it, we'll see but it just seems like he's determined to play through this and figure out a way but he has had to change his game a little bit and he does not have the voltage that he had prior to these niches coming up. So that's got to be put more on cat in terms of John, carrying think, the load offensively. Do you think that's going to come back for ant or do you think we're just going to be like, we're going to look back at this season and be like, Oh yeah. Ant just kind of didn't have any athletic juice. The second half of the season, like, is this going to come back in the final 11 games? Oh, are we gonna, this year? I, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think this year, um, you oh, know, it, it seems like, I mean, there's, I guess there's a chance, but I, I do think that they're working with him to kind of train and, and help, help teach him how to take care of your body, right? That's one thing that young players all have to learn when they're in, in the league early is that you got to you gotta change your diet. You got to do your rehab. You have to stay off your feet on the, um, on the off days and things like that. Um, and you have to take care of yourself, but 20 year olds and 21 year olds and 19 year olds are bulletproof. They've never had to deal with this stuff before. And I think that ant has probably uh, had to learn that part of being an NBA player more than any other part. And so I think over the long term, into the summer, into next season, the season's going forward, I think he will get a better understanding of what it takes to just try and kind of address those issues as best he can so that they are not as difficult to deal with as this one clearly is. But 
I don't see any sort of magic elixir for him to buy, you know, game one of the playoffs or buy the play in where he is jumping out of the gym again and, and, you know, Gabe going, you know, jumping over game Vincent. Like that's just, that would be, that would be surprising to me. I think a lot of it is mental. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying it's playing not, through it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think Ant should be held somewhat accountable for bad play for the past, you know, eight weeks. And obviously the injury is part of that, but I don't know. I, I think I think we're giving it a little bit too much of a pass in the name of oh his knees bothering him. Like I don't know, man. These are important games. This is an important yep. time of the season. Um, you know, as they say, nobody's a hundred percent right now. Ant needs to find a way to play better through whatever this ailment is, and and I think a lot of that is between the ears and and finding ways to be effective even if you're not. I think I think he's playing at a level right now that is lower than even the injury should suggest it is because I think we're still like last the last game against the Lakers what 24 at halftime finished mm-hmm. with 27 like what what's that? What is that about? And he had 20 in one know? quarter. Like he had 20 in yeah. one quarter. So that was that, So what did you do in the second half? Right. Like yep. that's what I want to ask him and I know he won't get like the answer but like that has been a thing all year before the injury where he just comes and he goes. And, yep. and, you know, and maybe the answer is just like he's 20, he's figuring out how to stay engaged and all that, which if that's the case, if this is who he's going to be, they're not going to win a playoff series. They're not going to get the sixth seed. Like the things that are required, and maybe those are unrealistic expectations, but that's the goal, right? Get the sixth seed or win a, you know, win a playoff series, one or both of those things. To do that, Ant has to be the best version of himself, and I think the expectation should be to hold him accountable to doing that, you know, injury or not. Like, if you're on the floor, if you're telling us you're okay, then there should be expectations. There should be expectations of, of, of what he puts up, and I think we're only seeing those expectations right now met in flashes, and I don't think that will end up being enough if it's all we get from him for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, part of that too, and, and he, he said it to us, is like this is the first time yeah. that he's really had to deal with any real pain like he is now. And mm. this is not saying he's not tough. This is not saying any of that or that the, the injury isn't yeah. real. It's just new. And and so the veterans that you talk to in this league who have played seven, eight, nine, ten years or more, they understand that by March – of every season, probably even earlier than that, your mm-hmm. body starts to ache and starts to bark at you and starts to, um, you know, just to deteriorate a little bit. There's no other way to get through an Look 82 game season. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. And and Vando is Vando is finding a way. And and Chris Finch said it with, with us at practice on, um, on on Thursday. He said, or excuse me, on Friday, he said, um. You know, Vando is 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 out there playing, but he's probably about 70%. He's not at 100%, not even close, but he's better than he was before he took a couple of those two games off. And he's just finding a way. And and I think that is, you know, that's part of what Ant has to figure out. And, and I think part of it, too, is just trusting his body and trusting the people around him. Because when you're young and you're feeling pain for the first time, you might think, 
oh no, this is my knee. This is bad. Like I have to shut it all the way down or this, you know, this is a real problem. And, and it could be, or it could just be that, you know what, aunt, everyone's a little sore right now. And you just got to kind of work through that and understand like what treatment you have to get and understand when it is just pain that is too great and you have to pull yourself out and when it is stuff that you can really learn how to push your body through. And so I do think that's part of it. Um, and yeah, I think that's all comes with youth and inexperience and, and finding the ways to get through that. And once he does, uh, then, you know, then the, I think a lot of the consistency will be restored in his game. And, um, and it just might take a little bit longer for him to do that. And I don't think that anybody in their first two years, I don't think we can say, well, you should do that or, or anything like that or setting benchmarks. But that is one thing that I think that the Timberwolves will continue to work with him with. That is one thing that he'll have to kind of try to figure out through, through it is when am I hurt? When am I injured? And how do I play through the times when I'm hurt? Yeah. And like, I mean, for me, I know this isn't a perfect comparison, but I think as a Timberwolves fan, it's someone that's aspirational about what Ant is going to become. I think you're hoping he is like Luka Doncic. And, and the big difference I see with Luka and Ant right now is not skill set, is not athleticism. Ant actually might have Luka in, in those two things. But Luka is a killer every night, particularly mm -hmm. in the playoffs. Like, you're getting a seven-game Mavs series, Luka's not having a bad game, you right. know? And right now, when I think about Ant and I think about a seven-game playoff series coming, I'm curious to see how many of those seven games we go, all right, Ant was locked in there, you know? Ant played to the level of, of, his, of what he can be. And, and I know, I understand Luca is a very high bar, but I think that I think that's a credit to Ant of like, we can see you becoming that type of player. Go do it. He's not yeah, that, there. That should be the aspiration. He's not there yes. yet. Yes. Yep. No, he it's is. an aspiration. And, and, yeah, and, and it's part of it too. Like, um, you know, I heard Rob Mahoney talking on, with Simmons today about this. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell went through the same thing. Like, it, it, when mm -hmm. in his first two playoff series or two, um, you know, he was in and out. And there were nights where, he was dominant and dynamic and was flying around and, and was game changing. And then there were other nights where he wasn't knocking down shots and he wasn't kind of, you know, just the same explosive self. And I think that that's, you know, part of a player figuring out how much higher of a level of play it is in the playoffs and what it takes mm -hmm. to sustain that when other teams are game planning from you game in and game out and adjusting to what you do. And there's really no way to prepare for that until you're in it. So in that respect, I mean, that's one of the biggest keys for the wolves going forward here is that they get in to, even if they stay in the seven, that they win that play in game and that they get into a series and they get ant to see that and experience it and, and feel it. And then even if they and stumble, even if they don't do and it. perform. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so then he can go into the off season saying, Holy cow, man, I got a long way to go. And, right. um, or this is what it's really like. And this is how I have to continue building. Like that's going to be the really invaluable thing. I mean, that's what you're seeing from the Grizzlies. I think they got a little mm -hmm. bit of a taste of it last year and they have come out this year, like 
gangbusters. And I think you could see a similar trajectory for the Wolves and for Ant, just like Ja Morant had uh, from year two to year three. And, and that, that's the way it could be for Ant. I, I want to see it quicker, you know? And, sure, yeah. And, and I think like a lot of people are saying like, oh, they're like the Grizzlies of last year, you know? And, and it's all fine and dandy to like make the play in, you know, get in and, you know, take your lumps against Golden State or Phoenix or whatever. And, and that's fine. That's a successful season. And I wouldn't say if that's what happens to the Wolves, it's ultimately unsuccessful. But like, let's be real about the timeline here, too. Like the Grizzlies are actually a younger team. They than are. The Wolves. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Cat and D'Lo, you're seven for them. Like, I don't think, I think it's a little bit too slow if you're just cool with taking the Grizzlies path of like, okay, get into the play in this year and then next year make your leap. Do, like, I want to see them more in between those. I feel like they should be more in between those two things right now, if that makes sense. I don't expect them to be at the same level that the Grizzlies are, but I think it's too low of an expectation to be like, just be the fun team who made the play in, you know, like. I think given the timeline of this group, given the talent that they have, again, I think it's reasonable for us to have higher expectations than that. They've shown they're good enough to be able to do that. So I don't know. I think it, the playoffs. Totally. Really I, I totally agree. Let's take a quick one more quick break and we'll come back and we'll continue on that. We'll get to a couple other subjects before we wrap up uh, here on the John Krasinski show on Talk North. We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hit by a driver with no insurance? Yes. How about if not enough insurance? Yep. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. When the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped Ultra Premium Collection to keep everything under control. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts on your basketballs. But now you can enhance your big dance in the shower with their Ultra Premium Collection. This package includes the Manscaped Premium Deodorant, the Hydrating Body Moisturizer, Body Wash, 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, plus a, th a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code athletic make sure you call on manscaped this tournament season or your bracket won't be the only thing that's busted solar for home solar for home improvement it's the only home improvement project that pays for itself regardless of whether the property is sold and increases resale value if you do sell. Hey, go to allenergysolar.com slash webinar. That will take you to a webinar that explains all of this. Go to allenergysolar.com to get general information about the company. But let me just tell you a few things about All Energy Solar and, so, and powering your home through solar energy. Uh, most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves till the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of property sale. Most systems are warrantied for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. Go to allenergysolar.com for more information. All right, we're back for one more segment here of the John Krasinski Show on Talk North. Uh, I'm here with Dane Moore from the Dane Moore Pod. And... Um, Dane, like we were talking before the break about yeah wanting to see more out of the Timberwolves than maybe what Memphis showed last year, and I think like 
that's it sort of comes from where the expectations were at the start of the season, right? Because I think mm-hmm. most people came into this season thinking, okay, be in that, you know, eight, nine, ten, get in a plan, you know, scare someone, maybe sneak in as the eight seed, um, a, you know, in in a plan situation, and then you kind of go forward. But the way that they have played and the way that they have progressed this season, I do think demands us to change the bar for them and to raise it because John, the expectations were too low coming into the season. hundred percent from the beginning. Yep. Like yep. those, those weren't just, and you know, more power to them for exceeding the expectations that Vegas and national media would ever set for them. But I think any of us who have been around the team really following this team said, yo, those are way too low of like 33 and a half wins, 34 and a half yes. wins. Like that's, that's way too low. That those were never just because you exceeded those expectations. To, to me, doesn't mean like great work. Those are too low Correct. of expectations, you know, to start. The more the more reasonable expectations, I think, given the caliber of this roster, the talent they have was more like a five hundred team. And so you have exceeded those as well. But I don't look at it as a gap of like if they win 45, 46 games this year. I'm not going to say oh they exceeded expectations by 10 games. I think they exceeded Vegas's expectations by 10 games, but I'm not sure those were necessarily reasonable expectations for this group coming in. Those are expectations that they said come right. back to training camp. They've they've said this was the expectation all along was getting into the actual playoffs, being a well above 500 team. So it's it's just about pushing that up a, a little bit further and I think we've been kind of like reaping the benefits a little bit of too low of expectations all season. Yeah. And like last year for Memphis, they were 38 and 34, which was good. Um, mm-hmm. But, and then they lost in the first round to Utah. But, um, but this, this version of the wolves has two max players in their seven yeah. seasons. Like that's a different construction than the Wolves now they are than the Grizzlies like they obviously they have Ant who is a, a younger and and McDaniel's who are younger who are going to can maybe t- continue to ascend at a different kind of a rate than the but Towns and Russell are established like they should be stars that are leading their team into the playoffs kind of no questions asked and mm-hmm. you know really that that's what we are starting to see from them you know this season because if it was if there were no plan you know they're 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 far ahead of the the eight seed, and obviously the nine and the ten are in are in the in the way distant uh, rear view. So um, so they've done some things that way, but now it's about okay. Th- that's why I, I just can't wait to watch these seven games and see how they hold up because you know they they've played Cleveland without Garland, they've played you know Golden State without Green and um, and Clay, they've played all these different teams at a little shorthanded and they've been shorthanded themselves, but now it's time to really like find out, okay, where do you really sit? Like, how good are you? Um, and, and that's what these next seven are going to really test us. And they don't have to go six and one, but right. they have to assert themselves as a team that isn't going to get run over by increased competition. The way that they kind of got run over by Philly coming out of the break. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, it's interesting that you're coming off of the 12 games post all-star you're 10 and two in that run and you got 11 more to go to me i think like there's a way to go six and five the rest of this run here sure 
if and, you're good, and that yeah. actually, yeah, actually being more impressive than this ten and two run. Absolutely, they've been on, no given doubt. the caliber opponent. So I mean, if and when they lose games in this stretch, I'm not going to be like, oh, the sky is falling. The sky right. is only going to be falling is if they're getting, if they're reverting back to old habits, if they're not competing, if they're bringing some of that energy that they had, where it's like, okay, we beat Detroit by four. You know, mm-hmm. like yes. if, if you don't level up you know, then you're not going to go six and five. But um, it will be important to judge this team over this stretch by watching them, right? The win-loss total won't necessarily, to me, be reflective of the quality of play in the time or, you know, their readiness for the the playoffs. You're going to have to watch and see how they play, see if this defense can come back, see if we can get more from Ant, see if if Cat can maintain what he's been doing, can D'Lo start making shots again? Like, it requires tracking in these final 11 games, and that, for me, will frame what I think about a first-round series against the Grizzlies, against the Warriors, whatever that might look at. Like, because I think with a strong... Like, there's a world with a strong 11-game finish here where they match up with Memphis in the first round, and I think... They can win that. Wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be crazy to pick the Wolves. I I really, I really don't think that, but the quality of play in these 11 games will determine what I think their odds are in a first round series. Yep, absolutely. And that's where, you know, that's where the real shame of Jaden's injury hurt so much. Right. I mean, like, you know, I would have loved to have seen, you know, McDaniels as a part of this stretch going to end these seven games because he just solved so many of their issues and not just defensively and being able to match up with with guards and forwards and 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 switch and do all those things but like he had gotten to a point over the last say three weeks or so that when they hit those lulls that they always hit in these games he's the one who was getting a bucket who was cutting and dunking who was you know knocking down an open three who was bringing something offensively to the equation that i think is being overlooked and that's why um, hopefully he can get back by the playoffs and, and and be a reasonable facsimile of what he was. But man, he was he was taking steps totally and and really becoming a two way guy that every team really needs and would be a huge difference maker for them. You know, against Milwaukee, against Phoenix, against Dallas, against all these teams they're going to be playing. Well, it, the, the main story that has you know come to be over the past month is the Wolves' win loss record, right? Yeah. The basketball story has been the growth and evolution of Jaden McDaniels. Like if the Wolves were just doing their like normal 500 run and Jaden was playing like that, like we would have been all writing about Jaden McDaniels this, Jaden McDaniels that, yep. you know, because it's like he's coming into the player we hoped he would be, adding to his package, you know, and that I found that to be super encouraging, but a little bit covered up by the fact that, oh, longest winning streak since 04. Oh, they're, they beat the Warriors. They did, they beat the Cavs. They did this and that. And yeah, Jaden's progression, even injury aside, I mean, it's just super encouraging for the future because I think we all believed in what Jaden McDaniels can become, but it was somewhat aspirational. You know, we hadn't totally seen it for the past month. We've seen Jaden McDaniels be the player we thought he could be and kind of ascending you know we're like right. well, I, maybe it's even better than we thought so that's what i think is the the huge 
bummer of the McDaniels injury is not really getting to see how high that could have gone because he's going to come back and, you know, he's not going to be the same player right when, you know, right when he gets right when he gets back for the for the for the Wolves here, too. But at the same time, I want to say, like, I do think this group has the pieces to be able to replace McDaniels minutes. And I'm curious, I'm curious where, where you're at in that and how they are going to be able to survive this month without McDaniels. Yeah, I mean, I I do like, uh, I like the versatility that they have in terms of like Finch can go different directions if he needs something different every night, right? I mean, first of all, yeah. I love, I love just Torian Prince sliding up totally and, and, and steady veteran. Every time he shoots the ball, I think it's going in and he gives them not quite as much defense as Jaden, but he gives them a lot of what Jaden gave them defensively as well. And so having that piece and thinking about it, Dane, like, man, you know, I know that some Wolves fans were, you know, wanting Sachin Gupta to make trades at, at, at the deadline and all that. They Some. could have traded Torian <laughs> Prince for Harrell. And man, imagine if 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 they didn't have him right now. Imagine if you didn't no, have Malik Beasley. Bad. That would yeah. have been bad. Would have been like, real bad. Torian Prince fits on this team better than Montrez Harrell does. And 100%. I know Montrez Harrell is a is regarded as like I'm sure Montrez Harrell has a higher 2K rating than Torian Prince is. But I, I think you're totally right to point out how important. Prince is going forward now without McDaniels, but also like this isn't, they don't really need Torian Prince to level up. Like he's been playing yeah. really well. Like Just it's the do past, more I, of it. Yep. Do more of it, play more minutes, but yep. keep the production up. Cause he's like the past 36 games of the season, like the second half of the season where they're at right now, he's shooting 60% from two and 42% from three, not huge yeah. volume, but like, okay. I feel like that box, I don't feel like we're missing anything really offensively when Prince is out there. And then you're right, like Jaden is a more versatile defender. He can guard the ball and he can play help very dangerously. Prince can't do both things, but I think we saw on LeBron on yep. Wednesday night, like he can check the ball, job. you mm -hmm. know? I, I, and what I also find encouraging is that what Prince can't do, they have other guys on the roster who can kind of fill in for that too. It's not going to just be Torian Prince guarding Luka Doncic or yes. Devin Booker or whatever. Like they can throw Jared Vanderbilt at LeBron and they have, and they will, they'll throw Vanderbilt at Giannis. They'll throw, they got Ant to throw at Devin Booker, yep. Patrick Beverly, of course. Like after being a team and a franchise that hasn't had even ever really more than one defensive stopper to write home about, You've got some actual depth in that skill set this year in Prince, Vanderbilt, Beverly, of course, and then Ant. Like Ant's mm -hmm. development as a defender is really important in this McDaniels time because you're playing the Phoenix Suns. You can't put Jared Vanderbilt out on Devin Booker because you need that size right. on the interior, right, to be able to guard Ayton and, and those guys be physical. You need to have one of your guards guarding Devin Booker. So I think... I think the ant stuff defensively is is another underrated storyline of of this season. Right. And and I do think too, like we talked about how, you know, Ant is doesn't have the lift offensively that he did before, but I do feel like he can still do everything you need from him defensively as is right now. Like his his I, I've seen enough of him playing over this stretch against Miami, against the Lakers, um, against other teams where 
he can stay in front of people. He can lock in on ball enough to be really effective in that role, even if you know he's not 100% and not moving with the quickness that he once did. Like He has enough to go on to be super effective in that role, and that's going to be See, huge. See, that's why I don't think he's that hurt, man. Right. I, I like he's showing enough physics. I'm not saying he's a hundred percent, but I don't yeah, know. He says he feels I, good. So he says he feels I just, good. You can just see it. You can see, I mean, he, see he doesn't dunk like the he basket. Does. Yes. 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 But I think it's important. Like I don't watch the rest of what Ant does in terms of his ability to track the ball, to sprint, to move his feet. I don't, the only area I see him being physically held back is that decision you were talking about of like, okay, here I am, I'm coming down the lane, one, two, am I going to go up to dunk it or am I going to go up to layup? He's choosing yep. to lay it up. Other yep. than that, like, I think he's physically okay and that's why I think it's okay to expect him to be able to guard the, these, these sort of yes. players because, again, that's, that's mental too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the one area that Ant doesn't defend well is when he has to navigate screens. And what is yes. that? That's basketball IQ. That's that's the intellect of being more than than just physical. But as far as a one-on-one matchup, like no screen isolation on Devin Booker, I'm fine with Ant guarding him there. I actually think he can do a good job in those situations. Well, hey, Dane, it's been weird to go to games in March that actually mean something. Like, I don't know how to cover this team when there's actual real stakes on it. It's actually pretty fun to, uh, to, to have the, the, the place all amped up and, and you can see people that are finally starting to come around and be like, wait, this is kind of real. Like this is, this mm-hmm. is different. And, and, and that's been, uh, that's at least been a breath of fresh air for sure. It's been, I mean, it's such a different thing. <laughs> I would say in my time, like covering the team, that's never happened. Um, <laughs> but even in your time, which is significantly longer than mine, I think about like that sometimes years. over this stretch. I'm like, yeah, well, I've never covered a good team. But you know what? I don't feel bad about that. Neither is John. <laughs> you know? That's right. Like, I'm like, this isn't just new for me. This is, this is, uh, this is new. I mean, because think about it. Like, in past seasons in March, we're writing stories. Yep. We're talking about, like, Lottery oh, balls. I don't know. Well, yeah, lottery balls for sure. But also it's like, okay, future story on Jordan McLaughlin. Is he the yep. third point guard of the future? It's like, oh, my <laughs> God. Right. I'm yes. so excited to not be able to do that and to be able to talk about Jordan McLaughlin of being an impact player and a team that's in a playoff push. All like all the way down the line. We're not, we're not scraping by to find things that are interesting with this team. They're interesting every single day. And... There's, there's something to be learned about this team. There's something to be proved by this team in every week-long stretch. I find myself, we're talking about this next seven-game run is going to be really informative. Well, I've said that every seven-game run for the past, like, <laughs> right. five seven-game runs. You know, I'm like, well, we're going to learn a lot about the Wolves here. It's true. That's what I think being a fan of and or covering a team that's good is you're constantly, you're constantly learning about them over the course of time. And that's why I think it's so much more engaging as a fan to be like, yeah, I'm going to come out to target center because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you would Mm -hmm. come to target center in 2018 and you'd be like, well, 
Um, thank God I got these tickets from my boss for free because the Wolves are down by 24 in the middle of the second quarter, you know? Like and, I already, and I already paid $13 for parking. Man, I got screwed in this, you know? <laughs> exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Like, these weren't free tickets. But but now <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, tic, it's a ticket, you know, worth the price of admission. How many times have we been able, how many times, you've been doing this, what, for 17 years? Yeah. Like, how many times have you been like, eh, yeah, I just, could pay yeah, no, bucks it, for this it, it game. Was just the, yeah, it was just the Jimmy year, and then it was also the first Ricky year when they were right. in March, kind of ascending. They weren't even in the playoffs, but they are at the right around the nine, nine seed, playing really well, played the Lakers in a game in March. Place mm-hmm. was going crazy. It was awesome. Kevin Love had back spasms. He didn't play. The Wolves were going to beat the Lakers or were right in there the whole way. Rookie gets hurt. Then it all was downhill again. Like that's literally the only two years where it's been okay. Like this is a team that could, you know, that's enter- not only just a little entertaining. We've had some other entertaining teams, but entertaining and talented and playoff worthy. And that's that's it. It's it's been it's been unbelievable. Why do you think this fan base specifically like has such a wide spectrum. I find that really interesting where when they're bad, nobody cares at all about them. But then on the other side, when they're even decent as they are now, people get way behind them and are like super into the wolves. I find that like that spectrum to be like one of the most quintessential wolves things. And I can't really figure out why it is that way. It's like, it's a culturally interesting basketball fan base to me it's for so my read on it is this it it, it, the uh, the obvious part of the why are why it you know why are there a lot of people who just ignore the team well they've been just so bad for so long and Mm -hmm. they have been told time and time again do not pay attention to us we are not worthy of it we will actually insult you if you invest time in us and (laughs) and 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 so there is like they have this this reputation of not just a bad franchise, but a historically dysfunctional, you know, drama filled, embarrassing franchise. Yes, yeah, embarrassment. You know? That's the word. Yeah, with Kevin Love knuckle push-ups, with Jimmy Butler, with Tibbs, with Gerson, with all of these things that have happened over the years. There's been many of them. And it's just like, nope, I don't have to take you seriously because you don't take yourself seriously. So there's that part. But I do think, why does it why does the bandwagon fill up quickly? Because yeah. there are so many basketball fans yeah. here who want it. Like they want to mm. be NBA fans. Like the NBA as a league from a cultural span- standpoint, especially with young people is incredibly popular and exciting and dynamic and they want it. And there's also this hardcore hockey element who of fans who always look down their noses at basketball fans. Why do you waste your time with it? You need to be, this is the state of hockey. Like no one cares about basketball here. And, and so when there is a reason, even a small one for them to come out and join, now it's like, it's like Carl Anthony Towns, who has been picked on his whole career, finally like finding, you know, that strength and like, and, and, and talking back to LeBron and Russ. It's, it's these fans who have been told time and time again, you should be embarrassed for wasting your time with that product and now it's worthy of their time and so now they're finally saying see i told you so i told right. you that 
when there's a real fun team and a real entertaining team that this is a great basketball town that I have so many people around me that want to do the same thing. It's just that we've all been embarrassed to say it, uh, uh, say the quiet part out loud. Now they're saying the loud part out loud. And, and I think that's, that's a huge part of this thing. I think it's super cool because yeah, it's like, awesome. you and I, you and I like know just given our work and that there are people who consistently follow us and yeah. follow this team through thick and thin. But those same people have embarrassment about they're like, yes, they get this like internal conflict of like, okay, I came home from work to watch the 17 and 50 Timberwolves <laughs> play the Indiana Pacers, you right. know, but they like it. They've liked it all along. They've been reading your stuff. They've been listening to me. Like that's always, they've stuck with it for one reason or another. So for those people, I'm, I'm really happy for them where it's like, okay, yeah, the Wolves play at seven or I'm going to go to Target Center to do this. And I like that those people who have been there like since day one, however you want to put that, like I like that they're getting rewarded because the patience there and the simultaneous like embarrassment for having yeah. that patience. Like the trauma. It's cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool for that to be, you know, rewarded. And that's why I think you will see people get way behind this team. Like game, I guess it'll be game three of their first playoff series. Like it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, you remember how cool the Houston series was for sure. And how, and the fan base didn't even like that team. Nope, fan base loves this team <laughs> and, yep. and it's just as good. You know, that's what's crazy yep. is like, it's not even really a debate anymore of like, Oh, the Wolves are decent this year, but they're not as good as the Jimmy Butler year. Like they're as good as the Jimmy Butler year. Yep. That's that's what that's the bar that they've gotten to with their play since the All-Star break of the past month or so. And yeah, man, I don't know. It's just it's cool. I know for me, I know for you, it makes going to work more fun, more interesting. You want to do better work. And it's it's just been, I've really personally, I've really enjoyed this season and the, the process of learning them because they constant, this team is constantly evolving and it's like this puzzle, it's this puzzle to solve. And uh, for us, that's cool. And I think for the fan base, it's really, it's really fun for them too. Super cool. Yep. I, I love seeing the casuals come back because that's a sign that, okay, people are starting to pay more attention and like the building's filling up and there are people who, you know, are just getting their first glimpses and, and trying to find out what all the excitement is about. That's cool. But like you said, like, the diehards, the ones that have subscribed to the athletic, you know, the yeah. whole time, the ones that listen to your stuff all the time and that pay money and spend time that through the thick and thin of it and through all of the downtimes and stuff to be rewarded this way. Like they're the ones that deserve it the most. They're the ones that really kind of need this good stuff going. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it can continue. Well, and John, that, our jobs don't exist without that. I, I would 100%. Say for me, my job no for sure doesn't exist. If that group of fans, you know, wasn't there because there, there were there were people reading you there were people listening to me last year and that team sucked yep. yes. you know <laughs> yep and absolutely and so it's it's yeah it, it's it's cool to see it come around yep well hey dane moore from the dane moore nba pod thanks so much for coming on this was awesome i'm going to come on your pod as the playoffs get a little closer we'll do a little home and home series sure. but um i appreciate you taking the time man thanks a lot yeah we'll see what this uh <laughs> 
We'll see if our positivity about this seven-game <laughs> run was <laughs> guided if, or or misguided. And and if we're coming way, back at one and know. six, it might be a little different. <laughs> but hey, that's its own story in and of itself. Yep. So yeah, we'll, right. we'll stay on top of it. Yep. Thanks, Dane, and thanks a lot to our sponsors: TSR Injury Law, Headflyer Brewing, Manscaped, All Energy Solar, and Memorial Blood Centers. Also, thanks to um, to our producer Brandon Morton. And we will be back with you next week. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Thank you.